You're listening to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast with your host, Nick Shuquette. Today's show features another amazing entrepreneur who has found success online. Now, let's learn what it takes to be a million dollar seller. Welcome to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast show. Today, we've got Rolando on the call. Welcome to the call, man. Uh, thanks for taking some time to chat with us. Sure, uh, sure, sure thing. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be on. Yeah, man. You want to let the let the audience know where you're uh, zooming in from today, uh, man? I'm zooming in from the great state of Virginia, or I should say the Commonwealth of Virginia, just uh, outside of the nation's capital. All right. Very nice. So I'm actually in Virginia myself, man, here in Virginia Beach. Uh, good to chat with someone else that's in the area. We don't have a lot of uh, MDS members in Virginia. Um, I think it might be me and you. And we used to have uh, Adam Schutte, but he uh, he had moved to Texas, I think. Well, you know, it's um, it, it's one of those states where there we don't have a ton of Amazon folks to begin with, um, unlike in New York and Jersey and probably on the West Coast. But we're we're the proud, the few, just like the Marines. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, hopefully we can connect sometime soon here in VA. I haven't been able to do that with another member yet. For sure. And well, well, there we go. Yeah. So we'll make that happen, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so Orlando, we know you've done done pretty well on uh, on Amazon. You know, clearly you've done over a million dollars in revenue. But I'd like to know, you know, how did you get into this world of of entrepreneurship, and how did that lead you to Amazon? Well, you know, um, my journey started in about 2002. Um, at the time, I was working for a company that was a tech company, uh, and the tech telecom companies had a bubble that burst. And that's how I ended up uh, needing to look for, for another job. And it, it had luck so it would have it that the last place that I was working at, um, I had a, gear, a box, boxes of a bunch of that stuff left over and they, they never asked for. And so after several months of trying to just get work and everybody that was in telecom was out of work, I could not find a job no matter where I went. So I decided, you know what, let me just get, instead of throwing these things away, why don't I just call a, a previous customer and see if they can um, just take the stuff. And so Sure enough, I said, hey, I've got a box of this, of these, of this uh, office equipment and gear. Would you like to take it? And they said, sure. Um, and, and we'd love to do more with you if, you if you if you can get some more stuff. And I was like, oh, maybe I can make this into a business. And so I started calling a few previous clients and I said, hey, I've got some stuff that I can get for you. I know that you were looking for headsets and office equipment. And do you still need that? And sure enough, yeah, come on in, show us. And one thing led to another, and I started getting business cards. And I went out and got business cards, and I started using that as my my way of getting in touch with people. And I brought my old college computer out of the closet, and that was my first computer, and started the business in my kitchen. Uh, it was in my apartment at the time, so started in my apartment with the computer from college. And started it in the kitchen. And I've, I've got um, somebody to, to put a website together for us. And nobody was real, really doing a lot of web stuff. But I figured I cannot get out to the world by myself. I, it'd be a long mission to travel everywhere where I want to go. So why don't we do this through online? And I remember to this day, the first customer that came to us was through an email that saw the website from Michigan and said, hey, you have some equipment there, some, some office equipment, some headsets that we'd love to outfit our office with. And that was like, whoa, somebody from Michigan. I was living in Florida at the time. Somebody from Michigan wants this? Okay, cool. And then just one thing led to another, one thing led to another. And it wasn't until about, I would say, 20, uh, so we're in 2021. So like the 2015, 2014 was when we then started looking at Amazon because prior to that, Amazon was basically books for the most part, some other things. They weren't really into gadgets. It took them a while before they came out with Alexa and, and the Echo and all that. So I, I approached one of the suppliers we we're working with and I said, hey, 
can we take your products and put them on Amazon as a new strategy? There really wasn't a lot of companies at the time doing gadgets on Amazon, like in our field, headsets and speakerphones and video equipment. So they said, oh yeah, whatever. And that started the journey of the Amazon um, as a channel. Before we that, there's nobody buying on Amazon that's a business. A real business doesn't buy on Amazon. <laughs> Please. And we were so wrong. And we should have been on Amazon years before that when when there was really nobody selling electronic gear. But, you know, you live and you learn. Um, yeah. So it turns out now that there's a lot of business customers, big enterprises. Um, and that's a really good part of our, um, a big chunk of our business are businesses that are buying through Amazon. Nice, man. So another another success story bred out of hardship, man. I, I love hearing those things where, uh, you know, people just really just don't give up. You know, you could have gone a different way, you oh, know, yeah. like you, you could have just given up, but you didn't. Uh, you, you kept you kept moving forward, man. And, and, and it's obviously worked wonders for you. Um, you know, my dad, by the way, told me to get out of that. He wanted me to go back to corporate America. And I said, dad, and this was like four months into it. And I said, no, dad, I think, I think I could see this through. I said, we're, and at the time, I could tell you my first year today, we make in two days and some days, one day, as much as we made that first year, it was a really tough first year because nobody would return your calls uh, or I said, very few people return your calls and you're going to meetings and nothing happens. And nobody wants to deal with the new guy on the block. Nobody wants to know, deal with the unknown, you know, unknown commodity. I know you, but your company's unknown. And it was, it's tough. It really is tough in the early days. And I'm sure a lot of folks that are MDS can all relate to that. When you're starting out, very few people want to give you a shot, but you know, you scrape here, you get that one, you, and, and one little thing, and you, oh, wait, nobody's on Amazon. We're going to go there yeah. now, you know, after that, you know, there's a lot of lessons as you would, you know, once you're on Amazon, it's not just being on Amazon, but staying, maintaining and growing on Amazon. That's really the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, man, that reminds me of a, a I saw it this morning on an, on an Instagram channel. It was Jim Carrey giving a, a speech at a college and he was talking about his dad and his dad went to school, did the traditional thing, got a degree in accounting. And like mm -hmm. 40 years later, they let him go. You know, they fired him. And Jim Carrey said, you know what? You can fail at doing something you don't want to do anyways. So you might as well work on building the life that you really want for yourself. You know, because either way you go, you could still fail. So you might as well take that other path, man. And that really hit home for me, man. Um, and it just remind what you said reminded me of that. Uh, you know, our parents want the best for us and, and they want us usually, you know, push us to take that safe route that they feel is like safe for us. Um, I can definitely relate to that as well. For sure. And, you know, I, I think uh, for me, um, I've always had it that the fear of failure was a driver. You know, I played college sports and high school sports and that fear of failure was like a motivation factor. Uh, because I don't want to fail, but I I can't remember who I recently uh, read or saw an article on that was talking about, or maybe it was Gary V. He was talking about if you experience failure, it's one way to learn and grow from from that. Because if you never experience failure, sometimes you just won't grow as much. Yeah. So if you fail at something and you take those learning lessons and apply them to the next thing, um, then you're gonna be better off for it. And was it was it? Um, Colonel Sanders or or McDonald, I think it was Colonel Sanders who failed, I don't know, seven or eight times and went, lost his business several times until he made the hit and decided, you know, oh, KFC, KFC right? Uh, so if you're an entrepreneur, the road is bumpy. Yeah. And you have to know that the road is bumpy. It's never paved with gold. Uh, that I think very few people, very, very few people, and no matter what your line of business, whether you're, you're Tom Brady, which is a rare breed and he's the goat, or you're Elon Musk, or, or anywhere in between, very few people get to that instant success. It, it, the road is usually paved with a lot of grit, a lot of work, it's very bumpy. And then most of the successful people, they almost all have the same story. You know, there's a lot of bumpy, choppy waters, you just gotta keep going, learn, correct course, and keep moving forward with the ideas that are winners. 
Yeah, man, I, I 100% agree with you. And I think there's a big disconnect between like, um, I, I guess I'll, for lack of a better word, I'll say regular people, right? Like the people that go to school, they get a job and they just, they, they go live that life and being an entrepreneur. And I feel, I always say I was kind of forced into entrepreneurship and I'm grateful for that because up until that, that change happened for me, I had that school mentality of, I had to prepare, 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 try to be perfect to ace that one test and not fail. Like failure was just not an option in my mind for so long. And now, you know, six years into being an entrepreneur and I kind of embrace failure. Like when it happens, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm learning stuff. Like there's something exciting on the other side of this. And I see that disconnect still to this day in the world, you know, I see it in my, in my oldest son, who's nine and he's going to school and he's so afraid to get things wrong. And, and I'm trying to show him to, you know, embrace that process of failure and, and don't try to be perfect. Um, and, and. Well, that was just it. Perfection sometimes gets in the way. And when, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you, 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 you sweat over a lot of details, you want to get things right. Uh, but I've coined a, a, a phrase in, in our organization is that in the crisis, we have to look for the opportunity. And, yeah. and it doesn't always come right out like, oh, there's the opportunity. But in the middle of something going wrong um, or in, in, in during the last year with COVID, a lot has gone wrong um, with, with for supply. We didn't get equipment. Our, our suppliers were backlogged and we had to change all kinds of things. But in the middle of that, there was an opportunity. And then uh, like for COVID, for example, um, our products, uh, which are primarily headsets and office equipment, like this kind of thing, those were in high demand next to masks and PPE equipment. So a lot of our suppliers were out uh, and we were very much into a drop shipping as well as okay. using FBA. But if you can remember back a few months, FBA even closed their doors. Yeah. Um, so we, we were, we were set up okay to, to drop ship or use FBA, but we had to rely way more on the drop ship. And the problem there again was our suppliers were so backlogged. So we really had to go from a just in time cause we were really into just in time. We don't really want to keep a lot of equipment, just enough for, for a couple of days, a week at most, cause these suppliers, they got it and they can send it out for us. Well, we had to rely more on total inventory management because we had to define our winners and losers and then make a choice because, you know, we don't have unlimited pockets to, you know, bring inventory in. So we had to really change our processes. And during that, because it was a crisis for a while, we we're like, how are we going to get equipment? And we realized, oh, we've got to do this. We got to do that. We um, we leaned in more on our ERP system vendor. Uh, to provide better information, uh, we integrated all of our drop, all of our drop shippers into the ERP system. So we had real time inventory being flashed on all of our platforms. And that gave us a huge advantage against our competition, which was which was totally relying on. Um, we had something drop out of the sky there. Uh, <laughs> totally, totally rely on um, on them for the inventory management. Now we had to rely on ourselves and our own data for inventory management. So we were able to find some opportunities and we and I, we actually grew. We grew roughly 80 percent last year. Wow. Even though we had that problem for several months where things were out here and there, we were just OK, here's the winners. Here's what the data is telling us. Here's. Here's the losers. We got to stay away from that. These are completely backlogged for another year. We're going to leave those alone. And so, again, and that was our situation. I'm sure a lot of folks that were um, dealing with COVID from a uh, Amazon selling, they all had challenges, whether it was supply or raw materials. But I, I think for those folks that were trying to find a way, you found a way. Yeah. Absolutely, man. It sounds, and I imagine these systems and processes that you guys have put together, like now that's probably making your business just run so much more smoothly. And as things improve over COVID, like now you have this system that's probably a lot more efficient than the one you had pre COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it's amazing how that pressure uh, really just forces us to, to adapt and, and grow. 
and and uh, I and now I want it to be the norm because I know that um, pre COVID is was much easier for even our competitors to get product. Yeah. But right now, even still to this day, uh, there are a lot of products that are not available or are available in limited quantities. And the system that we've set up with our ERP folks, we can be informed within as soon as the inventory hits our 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 drop shipper. It's there. It's on Amazon. It's on the, all the platforms. All of our competition has to rely on the old fashioned way. They got to either pick up the phone and say, hey, do you have such and such in stock? Or they have to email or they need to talk to the rep and, you know, then put a new feed. We don't have to do any of that. We just sit nice. back as the inventory comes in. It goes right up on Amazon or it goes up on eBay or any of those other websites. Nice. Yeah, that's definitely exciting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for cool. sure. No, it's a game changer for us. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about your operations, some changes you guys have made. Like, what, what's your uh, what's your team look like? What, what do you typically do in the organization as well? I am heavily in the operations. I'm an operator. Okay. Um, at its core, I'm I'm not an absentee owner. Um, I, I we have so I'll give you a little bit of the lay lay of the land. So we have a team in the Philippines uh, that um, do a number of things: uh, some customer service. Um, operations, logistics, we have marketing, and now we've added social media as that, uh, a stack of social media to that as well. And then we have some um, some folks that are stateside, and they are more industry experts that help uh, also on operations and marketing. Uh, so that, because uh, you need some people uh, as, as great as the, the folks that are in the Philippines for us, there are some folks that just come with the built-in expertise in your industry, and yeah. that helps you run faster instead of um, walk, uh, especially if you're in a position where we are, we've been in this for a while, I, I, I wanna run as fast as we can. So we have some, in, some, some folks stateside. Uh, but for, for me, I'm involved in heavily into the operations because for us, we sell products. And anybody that's selling a product on Amazon, if you let stuff slide, whether it's the customer service side, Oh, and I have a guy, I have an industry guy that I hired from with him to do that. He's handling that. Uh, but in logistics and operations, I'm involved on a daily basis. Every morning I have a, <clears throat> I have a call with um, my person that handles all of the inbound as well as outbound stuff that's going in and out of Amazon. Um, are we on top of the inventory? What do we need to resource here and resource there? Um, and we've added something new to our playbook that was our weakest thing, which is social media. Okay. I've always said, and I've said this even before we got on social media, I said to my, my folks that I would just be so happy if I could just sit here, sit all day making videos or just shoot images of, of, of the product that we have. And I was doing the photo editing that I would be, that, that'd be the killer position. And so out of necessity again, cause things are changing in our industry, we started to go all in now on social media. And so I'm involved in, in, in helping craft our podcast and helping um, the social media people understand what we need to promote. Um, what, is, what, what should we be doing planning wise from a media perspective for the next couple of weeks so that we have the right message? Um, and so that's where I'm, 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 I'm involved. I know that for me, I'm not a, um, I know my, my weakness is it, it, on the, on the, paperwork and administration that to me it's like a you know fire going off in my head right uh so i know my weaknesses and and the the thing i would say for other entrepreneurs whether you know that they're coming up or they're further along is find where you're good at what you like in, in within the business and double down on that and somebody told me that recently and that's so true for the for the products itself and as a function of what you're doing if marketing is what you love Focus on that. Try to offload the other responsibilities to other folks in the organization or get some VAs or, or other folks to come in and step in to do the counting, step in to do the CPA, step in to do other things that, you know, really are not what you like. If you like accounting and you'd like the finances, great. But for me, I know that I know about it, but I'm not in it daily. And it's not my area of expertise. So I'd rather let the expert do that rather than me have a finger in that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love that advice of, of focusing on what you love. Like it's, it's great for the business and it's just great from, a, from your personal life 
as well. Like you get less burned out at the end of the day. You got, you almost get energized, right? Like mm-hmm. when you're, when you're in that role of doing something you really enjoy, it's like you have an endless amount of energy. And I think that's like those people that you see that work so hard yet seem so happy and satisfied. I, I think it's because they've somehow positioned themselves in a role that they just truly enjoy doing. It just brings happiness to them. And uh, it's, it's just better for everything. And, and I often wonder, I'm like, what if people, what if like the majority of people actually did that? you know, just focused on becoming good at what they really enjoy doing, uh, you know, what kind of shift that would cause in the world uh, on, on a really big level, man. I think it could have a pretty big impact, honestly. Well, it can. I, I think it's hard as as humans or as people like you were talking about earlier about these are the expectations. And I think a, a lot of folks, um, you know, your parents probably, yeah, I want you to be a doctor. I want you to be a lawyer. I want you to do this. I want and you don't want to let them down. Yeah. You want them to be happy because you know if they're happy, you're going to be happy. But I think in the middle of that, you have to find your own lane. And sometimes it takes a while to find your own lane, whether it's in a career um, or if it's building a, a business. And there, everybody can be an entrepreneur, but you have to you have to look at the world just slightly differently than collecting a paycheck. Uh, because if that's the way you you think, like all I want is that steady paycheck, I would say it's virtually impossible for you to be an entrepreneur. Because as I think income is lumpy a lot of times, right? If you know there, you have great great months, okay months, not okay months, great months, okay months, and then great 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 great, and then not okay. You yeah. just have to accept that that's kind of the reality. It would be wouldn't it be awesome if I said to you every month your income is going to grow? That'd be awesome, but that's yeah. not real. Um, for most people that are entrepreneurs, because again, it's just sometimes it's cyclical. You know, you may have, you know, the holiday season may be the best part of the year for some. And so you're going to have some dry months. Uh, some folks, it's just mostly steady, but not all entrepreneurs see their income go like this. We want that. And as you grow as a business, you tend to see that. But the the smaller deltas like a stock market every day is up and down, up and down. But over the last 10 years, it's grown. And that's ideally yeah. uh, the long term is really kind of uh, what I tend to look at um, because I want to be in this for another 10 more years. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way how you related it to the stock market. I think that's a great, you know, great thing that a lot of people can wrap their mind around and kind of, kind of really understand how that works. I totally agree with you. Um, so it sounds like you've got something going on that can really benefit. I mean, this, the, these products you offer that can really benefit other businesses as well. And I'm interested, like, how, how are you guys portraying that message on, on social media and where can we find you on social media? So, um, the, so the products themselves are uh, products, like I mentioned before, they're geared for professionals that want to sound their best, whether they're at home whether they're in the office um, or using their mobile phone. So we have a whole line of headsets and professional headsets, stuff that you won't find at, at your local Best Buy or something like that. Um, and, and they're geared to allow you to sound your best. Because I think the one thing that's I've become crystal clear in the pandemic, that there's so many different variables that people and things that people will use now, um, and video being one of those things, and even that, that the webcams uh, that were out are all being changed because people are realizing those are really low quality. A lot of them were low quality. Um, the audio in a lot of cases, or what we call the endpoints, they were low quality. But the better you sound, the, the clearer you sound, the easier it is to do business. The, the, the more engaged customers become or potential clients become because the We've all gotten that call at 7 p.m. from a telemarketer, and it sounds like 500 people are in the room. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to talk to them, one, because you're eating, and two, because the, all that distraction going on in the background, you can't focus on what they're saying. So all of these devices allow, it, allow you to sound like you're the only one in the room. And, and that's what makes a difference. Um, in, in some cases, it could be the, the, the reason why somebody decides to, to stay on the phone with you or continue engaging with you because, oh, I hear you. I understand you. You sound clear. I don't have to ask you to repeat yourself. So these devices are made to also increase productivity and efficiency. Now, from a social media perspective, 
we we've we've I got to tell you, it's been our weakest point up until really the middle of last year where we really decided to go all in on that. So on social media, we have a we started a podcast in December called nice. What What the Tech. So like it's in, so we're educating um, uh, customers and the, and and folks that want to that are interested in on what is happening in the tech world. It's a little more broader. Um, we have some broader themes like remote working, what works in remote working, what doesn't work. Um, besides just the, and we just do pure reviews sometimes. You know, we switch it up so that if somebody wants to know, hey, what is the best product to use wirelessly? We give them that. What's the best Bluetooth? We do the, some of those to, to we do deep dives and, and have some master classes so that people also have some education on how to pick things out, what's right for your business uh, when, when you're looking at this gear. And then we're, we're supporting that with um, LinkedIn. We're doing stuff on Instagram. Um, just started TikTok. So if you've got TikTok ideas, I'd love to hear them. Um, so the, TikTok is like a new frontier. You could be, it's a wild, wild west. You could be as wild as you want. You could be as serious as you want. LinkedIn's a little less wild. Let's put it that yeah. way. It's a little more like you're talking to a business crowd, even though the same person that's on LinkedIn later on in the afternoon, they're on Facebook <laughs> or TikTok, right? Yeah. Right. But somehow LinkedIn, you're going to, I wouldn't say completely square because it's not, but, but you know, ovalish yeah. kind of kind of environment. So knowing how to address the different audiences has been the thing that we've been trying to you know, discover, okay, TikTok is a much more wild, wild west. LinkedIn is, you know, a little more like a little more buttoned up like this, you know, yeah. uh, I don't have to have a tie on, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of business casual as I, I would call it and trying to hone in on that message. I'll tell you something that I learned to today, actually yesterday, uh, it, it was almost at 1am. So it is today. Uh, I read something from Neil Patel. Okay. Uh, that this would be a nugget for our MDS folks. If you're on LinkedIn, Go ahead and repost. If you post something in the morning, let's say 9 a.m., whatever it is, a video, repost it later at 5 p.m. Now, you probably think that's counterintuitive, the algorithm, all this. It is not. I thought that I've read this long, long article that Neil Patel put out about it. And he basically gave a few examples of people that repost things. The algorithm treats it favorably, ah. even though it's the exact same content. Uh, that you reposted in the morning. Uh, and so I haven't tried it, but I read it and I'm going to try it soon. So if, if, is, if you're an MDS member, try it. I would love to see what you have on your, ex on your end of the equation, how it works out. Cause we're going to be trying it here soon. Um, it, you know, no, no reason not to do it. You know, all we get is a few people that may say, yeah, yeah, I saw this again, but it seems like the way the algorithm works is that, it rewards that repost and a whole new bunch of people that didn't get to see the post in the morning, see it in the afternoon. Very interesting. Yeah. I, I've been, I've been on LinkedIn for like a year now and, and LinkedIn is great, man. Uh, it's a good platform. I'm going to have to try that tip. I, I follow Neil Patel stuff as well, but I didn't come across, across he's, that one. If you, uh, he's got, and I happen to still have it on, on my other screen here. It's uh, it's called uh, what is the title? How to twenty four x your LinkedIn post views in a single day? Wow. Okay. I'll take twenty four x. Yeah, Neil's <laughs> got some very clickable stuff, man, and his like his call to actions always get me. It's like, do you want more traffic? Yes. No. Like, who doesn't <laughs> want more traffic? You know, like no one's gonna click. No. I'm like, where's the X, man? I need to click the X. <laughs> he is the king of clickbait. Yeah. It, it, but I've heard some. Now it's got a really bad. Um, just saying clickbait makes you think. Oh. But I heard somebody say if you at the if somebody's clicking on something clickbaity, but if they have value once they click on it. It's much better than the, the the five outfits that Brad fit Brad Pitt wore, right? Yeah. And you're disappointed because you've already seen the movies of him wearing these outfits, right? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't learn anything new. But if on the other side of that were the five outfits he wore at home, and then you never seen because he's never published it, now that okay, all right. There's, yeah. You can see some people wanting to see Brad Pitt in some outfits that they've never seen him before. And it's the same thing with Clickbait. You can use clickbait, but if you have value, um, this, the, the studies say that people then will 
then follow either follow you or engage with the article, whatever the call to action is, rather than just, you know, oh, that's just fluff. I already knew that. Yeah. Yeah. That marketing stuff works, man. I mean, you know, the, those, those titles, those headlines, those CTAs, like it, it growing up, I kind of thought that stuff was like a little cheesy, but it works, man. There's a reason why people are still doing those same things it works. Know, over and over because it, it works. It, it, it works. And so um, we, we've had some success and we've been playing around with, with titles and, um, and, and things like uh, top three mistakes that I made. And people want to know that or yeah. uh, the, the, the biggest reasons or the biggest failures in my business and what I would do to fix those. Um, those are the kind of things, at least I know Neil, Neil Patel talks about this. You need to have attention grabbing headlines or yep. the topic has to be, otherwise you don't even get to step two. Yeah, I've got a, uh, marketing was a big gap for me. Like, you know, I'm sure as you know, Amazon, like you don't have to know marketing to sell on Amazon. Like you can do a little bit of PPC, especially if you're reselling. I did reselling for a couple of years, mm-hmm. never ran one PPC campaign. What? How was yeah. that? You didn't run one? Didn't run one for a couple of years, man. And wow. then one day I did like, uh, I just did like an auto campaign for a little bit and like got uh-huh. some good results, but we were selling really high in demand stuff. Oh, so uh, you, so, the, the, the brand itself was, was the sales. Yeah. yeah the brand didn't, didn't itself was the sales. Um, but now I've dabbled in this world of marketing over the past years. We've made some changes. I've learned a lot. I came across a really good tool that's been blowing my mind, conversion.ai. It's this artificial intelligence that does copyright. Really? Um, Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. And for anybody listening, what's that? And using that on your listings? Have you, we just used it to create a listing. Yep. They even have an Amazon product description template. They have like a YouTube script one. Uh, product description, bullet points. They have a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff in there. Um, and it's really made things a lot easier. Conversion, conversion.ai. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into that. You know, something that just in the last four weeks that we've been testing um, is, and it's worked, and I can even give you some numbers, is we've taken the images, uh, the secondary images on our, on our Amazon listings, and we did, you know, like a half dozen to do a test. And we looked at before we ran this test what the conversion rates were on them and then after. So we took um, all a lot of secondary images and added a black background. Okay. And would you know that the conversion rate by just simply doing that doubled in a lot of these wow. listings? And uh, some listings were uh, already had high conversion rates of like nearly 50 and 60%, and those went up to 70%. Some had wow. a conversion rate of five and went to 10% by adding a black background uh, to the image. So now we sell devices and uh, we've, we're seeing that. And this is, again, some counterintuitive and every sector may be a little bit different in every category. But for us, even switching out some lifestyle images and replacing that with a very nice um, secondary image with a black background, that's still, we found that that increased more than the listings that had beautiful lifestyle images. Wow. So kind of like a white, like just like you would do for your main image on a white background, you're doing a secondary image, kind of just like the product itself, but on a Absolutely. black background. Right. And so I started dissecting that and I started asking my web guys and my, and, and, um, and my, one of my developers, and I said, what is this with this back black? What is it? You know, we, we have the data that says it worked. So what is it? So we looked at a few things. We looked at a mobile, the listing on a mobile. When you have that black background, it is easier on your eyes than the blue light that's flashing and coming okay. to you from your mobile phone. So if you're looking at that listing on your mobile and you and it's usually a lot of white when you're on Amazon and the moment you come across this back background, it's there's a little bit of some easiness that or you're, it's easier on your eyes physically because you don't get as much blue light coming or white light coming at you. And so you pause and you look at the listings a little bit more, the black on white catches your attention. And so your eye is drawn to that. And if the longer you spend on a listing, the greater the chances are you're gonna convert. 
Yeah. Whereas a ton of listings are white. There's a lot of white light, whether you're on your phone or whether you're, it's even more pronounced when you're on your, on your computer, where that white is just staring at you all day long. And then you go on the listing and whoa, what's this? That's it, it. You're drawn to the black. It takes some of the white light off of the, off of your eyes. And now I, I, this is again, all of our um, kind of our high working hypothesis. Uh, we don't have a scientific way yeah. to prove it yet, but um, what we do know is that every listing where we did this increased and some doubled in nice. conversions. So if you could double your money without having to add new ads, right, or change copy, that would be terrific. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It it definitely makes sense. Now I'm thinking like a, a lot of people are doing the dark mode on stock. I, right? That's exactly what I have on my phone. And look at your background. You have uh, white with black on yeah. the background. And it does catch your eye when you're looking at that versus, and look at my wall. I have a plant here and I have a lot of white, right? But on yours, you have a white background with black lettering. So it's, it, it does, it frames you very well. And the black on white does stand out versus, you know, a section of that's all white over here. Nice. Yeah, man, that is a, that, that's a super cool tip. I have not heard that before. Um, what, what type of, yeah, I'm definitely going to try it. I, I got a product. I'm definitely going to try that on. Um, I what type send of you, software? I, what kind of software? So were you using for the, for the conversion track for the test? So or, we very basic, very basic. You, you could, you could use a lot of different software, but so all we did was take a, um, the listings, the ASINs, put them into a spreadsheet and um, just put three things on a spreadsheet, uh, four things. So the ASIN, a column for the ASIN, a column for the current conversion, which is um, unit, uh, unit session, session percentage. You got it. Yeah. Unit session percentage. So it, so when you're on um, uh, and you're doing the reports and the business reports, it gives you that. It, so we looked at that. We looked at how many units were sold for the previous 30 days. And we also wanted to find out how many sessions, because if sessions all of a sudden, for whatever reason, go up and your percentages yeah. go down, you can kind of you can kind of uh, look at the differences in the delta. So we use those three things as our our um, our drivers or things that we were trying to measure. And we looked at it uh, and everywhere where we had we looked at, let's say, three images that were black two images that were black or four images, wherever we had four or more, the effect was more pronounced when we're versus three versus two versus one, all of the, and which are better than none. One is better than none, but two is better than one. Three is better than two and four is better than three. Okay. Uh, and, and it, this why, that's why I'm saying the working thesis was something to do with the, uh, the actual light and how your eyes are perceiving the page and the image. Uh, when you're looking at it, because there, why four versus one or four versus three versus four versus two? Um, so, yeah, so we just kept a spreadsheet. Um, and I'm sure there are other software that could probably track it better. Uh, I've heard, and a lot of people have different ways about going this. You can use a spreadsheet and you can keep track of things a little bit better from the standpoint that you control the data. Yeah. And you can add things the way you want. Um, if you if you're using, you know, Cellex or or, or junk, uh, Cellex or Seller Labs or any of these other you, you kind of yeah, it's baked in. You have to do the whatever they got on the back end to yeah. calculate and the way they present it. So we just wanted to be very basic. We just wanted to look at it. And sure enough, every single listing that where we experimented, we saw an increase in conversion rate. So try it, experiment. I'd love to hear more from other folks that are. They're trying that to see if that improves conversion on their listings because it definitely worked for us. Nice, man. Yeah, that's an awesome tip, man. Um, I feel like we've covered a lot of good stuff here, a lot of good <laughs> Amazon tips, a lot of good personal stuff. Um, really enjoying this. Um, I want to hear what you guys are working on now. Like, what's the vision uh, for your company? What are you guys working on? So um, one of the things that a lot of people are, you know, uh, talking about is having an off Amazon strategy, because as much as Amazon has been good to us, every, every seller that has been doing a lot of business and for years can tell you a horror story or two or yeah. three or four, right? So uh, in order to try to, 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 to keep and mitigate those, those horror stories, 
we we now have a uh, company that uh, we are in kind of a startup mode and we've just launched called Circuit Loops. Uh, it is a business geared towards other businesses that want business internet. Now, that's not the new part. The new part is that you can go onto our site and within one minute have an internet, uh, business internet quote, because uh, companies like Verizon and Comcast generally treat um, businesses different than residential. And it's very difficult today to get a business internet quote um, done without a human. And the difference here is that w the reason why they treat businesses is different because if you were, let's say, are a pizza store or a retail location or even somewhere with a bunch of employees, they need to confirm your address, what's available there. And then let's say you, you, you decide to do the contract. If you have, let's say, gig internet at home, the difference is at home, they will give you what's called best available. Yeah, it's we could give you one gig, but you have so many people that are logged in all around your neighborhood that right now you can't get one gig. And that's totally legit and totally fine, totally within the contract. But if you're a business and you're buying one gig fast internet, the business contracts for that internet is such that they're guaranteeing a minimum amount, let's say 900 megs at all times and just below the one gig. And if they don't deliver on that, you have a right to claim them, to claim what they're not providing. Um, and a lot of times the contract could be a little, some penalties involved because they're not supplying what their, their SLAs or they're not delivering what they say they could. They don't have that for residential internet. And that's why residential internet is so much cheaper. Okay. And that's why a lot of these times you get on a webinar or a Zoom and you're like, wow, you look good now. And then five minutes later, yeah, gets all jacked because maybe all the kids came home from school in the neighborhood and now they're all streaming. So what we're doing on Circuit Loops is trying to create that Amazon experience because that's what was missing for a lot of these businesses. Uh, and in this industry, the the internet business, uh, internet business connectivity, the re if the rep is gone, let's say you are a business and you've got multiple offices, those guys typically deal with reps at Verizon and Comcast and the rest. Rep is gone. He's on at a convention center and, and some far off warm location. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and because they're gone, as literally business stops. And I've heard, and that's kind of was the refrain. Every time I talk to them, well, no, we, we got to go through this. And that. Wait a minute. What if we could give businesses an Amazon-like experience so they, they can start, at least start the first part of that journey? So they can get on the way uh, to getting the internet they want. And it's more common in middle markets where there are fewer you know, offices available, um, rural parts of America where this is definitely a problem. And they could just go online, start their journey that way without you know, waiting for a guy or gal to call them back. Nice. That's awesome, man. I, I like that. And you said that was called Circuit Loops, right? Circuit Loops. CircuitLoops.com. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely neat, man. Uh, how how you said you started that about a year ago? Yeah, we started about a year ago. Uh, it's taken about three years to put it together because there's a lot of a lot of things that we did not know at the beginning that we know now um, in terms of trying to provide the the information on on a you're located in location X. There's only three providers in New York versus you know two providers in Sioux, Sioux cities or in, in, in Reno, Nevada. Uh, so um, you can kind of look at it like an AI working in the background, doing some matchmaking for every request that comes through so that that business knows that what they're getting is right for their area. And in the internet world, that's all it's about. Who's the service provider locally? And can we match that? And that's the difference also with the big guys. Comcast is only quoting you, Comcast. We're quoting okay. you Verizon. We're quoting you T-Mobile. We can look at all of those guys and, oh, here's the two that are in your area. This is the one nice. that's going to be the best price. Okay. Very cool. Like well, some AI type of matchmaking. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat, man. I, well, I hope that's working out well for you. And it sounds like a great market to get into. Uh, it's, it's ripe for disruption. It's very old school in a lot of ways. Um, and as anybody that's watching this from MDS knows, some of you come in with market disruption ideas like, you know, a brand that turns things upside down. 
I don't know if we're going to get there, but we have the aspirations of yeah. turning some things upside down because customers um, can't get what they want the way they want it right now. Okay. Yeah, very cool, man. And so you've mentioned MDS a couple times here. Uh, how's the group been treating you, man? I love the nuggets. Love the nuggets um, that come out of there uh, because sometimes you feel alone when something happens to you. Um, and you find out, oh, yeah, it's not like I'm on an island. There's these other folks that, and here's what um, helped me. And we just had this recently. Somebody posted a POA, plan of action for, um, uh, I'm trying to remember what it was for. It was a POA that had to do with um, our listings where we had um, returns. That's what it was. So every, everybody that's selling a product on Amazon can relate to this. You send stuff to FBA, customer sends it back. They don't like it for whatever reason. FBA then turns around, puts that in a box or, or a plastic bag and sells it back as new. And guess what happens a lot of times? The customers, the, the second customer says, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. This box is all jacked up. The, the charger was not in the box. It's missing the manual. Uh, and it, by the way, it's got fingerprints all over it. What is this? Global tech, you guys are scammers. Right? Yeah. You've, right? So what we wanted was a way to have those complaints, whether they're like that. Um, there was another POA that had to do with IP complaint, which was a totally illegitimate complaint. It was, a, it was more like a bot. We took those POAs that somebody else said they had success submitting we submitted them and in both the IP complaint and in the um, case of customer complaining that the, it was uh, sold as new or is a product condition sold? I can't remember the exact term. Yeah, right. you probably like you sold as new or there one of go. those. Yeah. There you go. In both cases, the POAs that the MDS members had said they had success with submitting, both worked. Amazing. Yeah, man, that's great. I, I, I mean, that's something that can take without a template that works. You can be going back and forth for like two weeks. Easily, 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 because what what you don't know, and it's always a always a trial and error is like, hmm, what's the group that's in charge? Oh, it's the feed team. So I need to request the feed catalog team. Oh, what's the team that escalates? Oh, that's the, oh yeah, that's, the, and those are the nuggets that MDS gives you. Okay, yeah, I went yeah. through that. And if you have a listing that's not changing, no matter how many times you submit the feed, you got to talk to, there's a feed catalog team and here's how to get to them within the support tree. Do, 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 yeah. do, 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 boop. And that goes to the feed catalog team, right? And that's what MDS gives you is that, um, especially for, if you're really selling business, you're not really concerned about images that you can't get up. That's, you can find, you're going to eventually get your images back up and restored, right? Yeah. It's some really heavy, nitty gritty stuff like IP complaints, product condition complaints, uh, maybe um, some seller hijacking listings going on because, you know, you have a listing in Canada and this, somebody changed it over there and it changed <laughs> your thing in the US, you know? So you're trying to figure these more uh, heavy topics that support doesn't have the information at their fingertips to help you. And they just keep sending you a blank or a generic copy and paste Same kind of response. response. Yeah. I'm glad you're getting some value out of the group, man. I, I always love to hear that. I definitely look forward to, uh, you know, getting to know you a little bit better, man. And some of these in-person events we're going to be putting on. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. For, sure. for sure. Um, so but man, before we sign off, you've given a lot of tips here, but I'd like to get, you know, one piece of advice for the listeners here, uh, from you that's based on, you know, your experience. Wow. Um, piece of advice. You know, uh, it's really all about relationships. Um, and one way to succeed is by building the relationships internally and externally. Um, uh, obviously, with, you know, like with an MDS group, the, the, the better the relationship with other folks Obviously, um, some of those take time and that's, 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 um, just kind of the nature of the beast. It's hard to trust somebody just on a phone call. Hey, my name is yeah, right. It's hard to do it on just one call, but, um, relationships are built one block at a time and, and we're all, we're all looking for the edge, right? We're all looking for either a hack or a shortcut, but sometimes it's hard to shortcut relationship building. Yeah. 
And when you build a good relationships, people walk you right through the door past everybody that's in the line. And that's something that I've learned as I'm, as you can see, I'm getting, I can get grays here going on now. Uh, <laughs> that been learning that as I've been getting older, that the, the people component is, is really sometimes the most difficult aspect. And the better the relationships you can have with uh, folks internally, externally, it makes your job easier as, as an organization, but then uh, allows you to um, find new opportunities uh, rather than simply, hey, cold, hey, I want all of you to cold call and call this list of, you know, th that has some effect, but it's yeah. so much easier when somebody can say, yeah, I know Rolando. Hey, let me, let me, let me introduce you to he's, he's done this, that great. And I'm sitting right at the table with the decision maker versus, you know, sending them 10 emails that he never looked at. So relationship is, is, is the thing that I'm, I'm really focused on right now and finding the, the most effect with right now. Yeah, I think that's a great tip, man. The right relationships will completely change things. And I know like early on, I think we've, you know, we try to do so much on our own and we miss that relationship part. Uh, it took mm -hmm. me a while to learn that. So I think that's a great tip you've given out there. And, and hopefully if there's some people struggling with that, They'll, they'll start to get that in and then start to focus on relationship building. I'm confident it'll pay off more. Well, um, for sure. For sure. Just, just you have to be patient because everybody yeah. has their own schedule and pace. So, uh, but, but it has a big payoff when, when everything goes your way with the relationship building. Man, thank you so much for your time, uh, Rolando. It's really been sure. good chatting with you. Absolutely. Again, man. Uh, no thank problem. You very much. No, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Are you a million dollar seller looking to network with like minded entrepreneurs? Apply for membership now at milliondollarsellers.com. Leave us a review and subscribe now so you don't miss out on next week's episode.